You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. going to dance. Our lead pastor has talents that the old lead pastor just simply does not have. And that is good news. <laughs> but how did she know, Natalie, how did you know you would feel good? So good. How did you know? How can we know we're going to feel good? How can we choose our moods? Welcome to the series, whether you're joining us online or in this room at Kennedy and Finch in Toronto. How do we know that we're going to feel good? How can we choose our moods? All right, here's where we're going today. You will not be able to choose your mood successfully unless you know who you are and how much you are loved. You see, it's when you have a security about you, you have an identity, and you know who you are, that then your emotions don't tell you what to do. You choose your mood. And so that's where we're going. Up until now, how have you been doing with your moods? There are two extremes people go to. One is to bury their feelings. How do they do that? Well, they can deny their feelings. Feelings can come, and they can just, no not going to go there. And if they're negative feelings and they bury them, you know what's going to happen? They're just going to shoot up somewhere else in their health or some other part of their life or a relationship, and they're going to do damage. Now, we can also not just bury our feelings by denying them, but also by demeaning them, mocking them. You know, boys don't have emotions, don't cry, and we, we we can demean and discount. Uh, emotions. So we can bury them by denying them, demeaning them, or medicating them as a substitute. Let me rush in here and say your brain is an organ of your body, just like your liver or your heart can get help from medication, so your brain can get help. And it's wonderful how uh, medical science has discovered the way that God has engineered us and so that we can, we can use medication to help someone have, uh, have a, a biochemical balance there. But here's what I'm saying. We can bury them when we use medication as a substitute for handling our emotions a scriptural way. Listen to me. We do, we, it is not scriptural to medicate unforgiveness. It's not scriptural to medicate bitterness or jealousy or, or, or anger that's rage. 
It is not biblical because we're, we're bearing them, we're, we're medicating them down. And so there are ways that we can bury our feelings that are not good for us. They destroy us. And that's why Jesus did not bury his feelings, did he? You see Jesus having joy. You see Jesus crying. You see uh, Jesus having compassion on people. You see Jesus angry over injustice against other people, never about himself. But you see Jesus not burying his feelings, but uh, handling his feelings. Now, so another extreme that people go to, some people, uh, it's not been good for them. They bury their feelings. There are other people that are ruled by their feelings. So have you ever met someone that is a walking bundle of emotions? You never have to wonder how they're feeling. It just spills out. Um, I, I was speaking to a group of pastors in Western Canada, had just got in off the plane, driven to the district office where I was going with the district pastor to speak, and I walked in, and, and a lady, at the first person I met, she just let me have it. She lambasted me with everything she was going through, all of her feelings about life in general, everything in the universe, and all over the place, and I had a hard time getting away. I didn't even know her. And so I said to the district pastor, I said, somebody maybe just needs to talk to her and just sort of help her sort out some of her feelings. He says, oh, no. He says, I, I've just have learned. Here, I wrote down what he said to me. He says, I've learned to throw my hat in her office first to see what happens to it before I know it's safe to walk in. Some people, just, just emotions, just the, the walking bundle of feelings. So now, our culture today in Canada, where would we go? Would we be, well, a generation ago and more, uh, post-World War II, you know, burying our feelings. Now, are we swinging to the other way? Have we swung to the other extreme where we just uh, are ruled by our feelings? Let, let four observers of uh, culture of our time speak here. David Frum wrote, he said, people do not think they feel. They do not believe what is true. They regard as true that which they wish to believe. A lie that affirms us will gain more credence than a truth that challenges us. Margaret Wente in the Globe and Mail was reflecting on the uh, civil rights activist. Remember the lady south of the border who misled people about her race by identifying as an Afro-American, even though she was a blonde Northern European? And, and she said she was black because she felt black. And Wente goes on to question if this works for gender also. If a man feels that he is a woman, does it change their chromosome from XY to XX? Her article was entitled, I Feel, Therefore I Am. Remember, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Now it's, I feel, therefore it's true. We talk about our own personal truth. Or we deflect another person's opinion by saying, well, that's your truth. Truth is now a personal possession, where at one time we searched for truth, now we just create our own. Law professor Stephen Carter tells about a cartoon in the New Yorker magazine that shows a young boy in front of his class doing a math assignment on the blackboard, and he's just written, seven by five equals 75. And the teacher looked at him in astonishment. and he looked at the teacher and saw her reaction. He said, I may be wrong, but it's the way I feel. <laughs> And, and, and Dr. Stephen Carter writes, he says, there in a nutshell is the problem with the post-secular university. Faith is dead, reason is dying, but how I feel is really going strong. Now, let's go from the tragically silly to the tragically sad. 
Because we, we hear about it in our culture today, we see the statistics and we have an increasing number of people in Canada harming themselves because they are ruled by their feelings. Youth, especially young women, cutting themselves. Just feelings. This is the way I feel about myself. I'll, I'll take it out on myself physically. Teens and adults spiraling down emotionally into depression, some to the point of suicide, because they're measuring the value of their entire lives on the basis of one part, their feelings. They don't feel good about who they are. They feel stuck in their feelings, and there's something about that when I hear those stories personally or in the news collectively, something just rises up in my heart, and I want to shout out to people, you are not your feelings. You are so much more than your feelings. Refuse to get stuck in your feelings. You're a human. What does that mean? Well, it's as we sang this morning, before I breathed my first breath, God, you were there for me. How many are thankful? He knows us from our mother's womb. We are made in his image. And when we broke off that relationship with our, through our human ancestors, we have a God who says, I want you back so much as my son and daughter. I will send my son to give his life to pay the price so you can come back and be my children forever. That's how much we are loved. So we refuse to get stuck in our feelings. It's not that feelings are not that important. Feelings are very important. Listen to me. It's just that they're not reliable. They're not reliable. Feelings, no matter how strongly you feel something, that does not make it true. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings will lie to you about how you look, your worth, your potential, your value, your future, and what others think of you. They will exaggerate, they will magnify, they will blow stuff right out of proportion. Feelings need a steering wheel or else you'll crash. That's why the subtitle of this series, Choosing Your Mood, says, putting your feelings in their place. Feelings are important. They're significant. But they need to find their rightful place. That's exactly, exactly what Pastor Jonathan and I have been praying about for people in Toronto is exactly what the Apostle Paul wanted the people, the Christians in Rome to understand. And he wrote this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Whatever the pendulum swing is about feelings, don't, don't just copy it. But let God transform you into a new person by, say it with me, changing the way you think. We're not stuck in our moods. We can change the way that we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, let's see that we can. We're, we're, we'll learn how to do it in a few moments, but let's at least see that we each have the potential to put our feelings in the rightful place. All right? Look at this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Okay? So, so this, this, is, this, is, this is our steering wheel. This is the knowledge that we have a God who loves us and wants the best for us. So anything that, any feelings, however strong they are, any thoughts or opinions, they, 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 we need to destroy them and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We're not stuck in our feelings. Refuse to get stuck in them. Secondly, rehearse God's feelings for you. 
How does God feel about you? Did you know God has feelings? In the Old Testament, God was grieved when people were destroying themselves and each other. Jesus had compassion. When we messed up and we went our own way, we saw last weekend with Pastor Jonathan that, that, that God flipped the script. And he, he, he reached out to us, not with judgment and, okay, you guys, you're not going to go my way. You're, you're down the black hole of the universe. No, he, 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 he gave us a second chance. He gave us his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his truth to get us back on track. You know, here's how the Apostle John wrote it. He, was, he did that three-year full-time internship, remember, with Jesus? Because Jesus was training them as leaders, the disciples, to be leaders after he ascended into heaven. And here's what the Apostle John said. He, he says, I figured this out. This is what love is. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that, say it with me, but that. See, I'm going to talk to you about a steering wheel. There it is right there. Steering wheel for our emotions. Here it is. He loved us. The starting point for you and me is not that, oh, I reach out to God. No, he's already reaching out to us. Not that we love God, but he loved us. How do we know he loved us? Well, what greater evidence could there be than he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away whose sins? All right, nothing, nothing that he needed forgiveness for, but he died in our place. So, so God's feelings for us. He, he loves us. Bible translator J.B. Phillips was writing about his past. He said, I was a perfectionist. And he said, as a Christian, I struggle with depression. Let me quote him. He said, I would descend into dark moods and feel no mercy. One day he was translating from the Greek this very verse. <laughs> and he said, it just leapt out from the page and into my heart. And he ended up, as he saw how much God loves him, he wrote this. He said, if God loves us, who are we to be so high and mighty so as to refuse to love ourselves? Isn't that powerful? Do you love yourself? I don't, I'm not saying if you're narcissistic, that's sin. Or your selfish pride, it's all about you. Not about, do, you, do you have this sense of identity that God values me? I'm here on the planet on purpose. And I have a contribution to make to the lives of others. You see, if I, if I don't have that, I'm going to be insecure. I'm going to be letting feelings rule. But when I have that steering wheel in my life, when I have God's love and I have received it and I know how much I am loved, it just gives me a, a sense, oh God, thank you. Watch this. Love your neighbor as? The reason why a lot of people can't love someone else is they haven't learned to have that kind of love for themselves where they value their lives. They see themselves as God sees them. Some say, yeah, but if God knew what I was like, <laughs> or what I did, what I'm still doing, too late, he already knows. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote some Christians 2,000 years ago, and he said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew how bad we would get, the wrongs that we would do, and he says, I still love you, and I want you back. You know, did, did you get your... Um, a handout? Did someone hand out the handout to you? <laughs> uh, you know, you've got some 
verses on there that are going to be foundational for you to just go back and reflect on this week. By the way, Pastor Jonathan, I am so excited about, as I was praying this week, the potential for us, hundreds of Trontonians, to live emotionally different for the rest of our lives. I believe that this series has that potential to just live different emotionally. And some of the foundational Bible verses are there. And we'll get to the ABCs of choosing your mood. But on the other side, you see a Canadian theologian that has spent his life studying the scriptures about God's love for us. I don't know anybody that says it better than J.R. Packer when he says, what matters supremely, supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention is distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery can now disillusion him about me. How many can say, thank you, Jesus, for your love? Thank you, Lord. How many need to put that up by your mirror? I mean, reading that a few times this week and meditating on these scriptures, that, that, that'll just, what, you know what you're doing? You're rehearsing God's feelings for you. This is, a, this is how God feels about you. You're rehearsing his feelings for you. You know, every one of us, matter of fact, I, I met a lady in between service, house is broken into, and she said some of the things that were taken, it wasn't the value, it was that they had intrinsically, it was this, the value they had to her because of you know, the memory of where she received them or who she had received them from. Some things are loved because they're worthy. Some things are worthy because they are loved. It's the way God feels about you. That's why he sometimes says, don't do this and do that because he's so protective. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He wants the best for you. If you ever wonder how much God loves you, just you know, look, look to the cross and say, he loves me that much that he would do that for me. The cross spells it out definitively and conclusively how God feels about you. So refuse to get stuck in your feelings. Rehearse God's feelings for you. And then third, choose to love God with all your feelings. Now, how many God an emoji on the way in. I've got mine here. How many, you got an emoji and you said, that's not the way I feel. Here's what it's to remind you of. You can choose your emotions, but you can't choose your emojis. <laughs> All right? Can't choose your emojis, but you can choose your feelings. You can choose your, let this remind you of that. If you're, if you're online, Pastor Gord just put some emojis up there and maybe they don't match them, but you, you, they may not, but you can choose your moods. Listen, further than that, we're going to see it more in this series, I actually have a responsibility to choose my moods. 
have a responsibility. I don't just get to. I have a responsibility to as a follower of Jesus. And there are plenty of positive moods to choose from. How many at your workplace or school or you live in a condo like my wife and I do, and one of the things it says, the first thing it'll say in the event of an emergency or a fire alarm goes off, B, so you choose that mood. You know, earlier in the service, uh, former policeman Tony Baker headed up the 911 center for Toronto, and the first thing when someone calls in, you have to get them to B, You know, choose your mood, dear. You're overwhelmed by feelings, but choose your mood. Uh, What did Paul, the Apostle Paul said? Whatever, I've learned this, he said. It's been a growing process, but I've learned that whatever situation I'm in, they're in to be content. So he's choosing contentment, you know? If you're over 90, maybe you can't choose, I don't know. Anyway, Peaceful. We're going to see in a verse, we can choose peace. We can choose peace in Jesus Christ, you know. I may live with someone that chooses this too, too often, you know. But we can choose. Our, watch this. Joy. joy. Next weekend, Pastor Jonathan is going to teach us how to have joy even when you're not happy. Okay? Because watch this now. Rejoice in the Lord how often? Yeah. So we can choose to do that. Now, there are a lot of negative moods to choose from as well. We can choose to escalate anger. We can choose to be cranky. We we can choose. We we can be hit with these feelings, but it's what we do with them next that either causes them to go away or to grow. Uh, We can choose to feel guilty. We can choose to feel sad. We can choose pessimism. You know, we can choose these things. And so, there's something freeing about that when I realize that I can change my mood. I can take into captivity thoughts that would result in emotions. I can, I can stop them and arrest them and take them off to prison. I'm not stuck with those feelings. I'm not a victim of my biology. I'm not a hostage of my feelings or a prisoner of my moods. I get to take them captive. I get to choose. So the big question is, how? How do I do that? All right, so from now till the end of our teaching time, let me lead you in the ABC that we learned from the Psalmist David of choosing your moods. How many know David was rather moody? (laughs) He would have highs, he would have lows. You can read about him in the Psalms. And David had quite the mood states that he had to get himself out of. And there are a couple of times that he uses these same verses. They were sort of like a go-to formula for him to get out of uh, the negative moods that did damage. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why am I discouraged? Notice he acknowledges his feelings. Why is my heart so sad? He starts to sort out his feelings. He's breaking it down. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He's letting God choose where he's going to go with his moods. All right, now watch this. Watch this. The only reason I want you to say these words out loud is so that when you get hit with some negative feelings this week, you're going to, it'll just help you remember, you know, what was that Pastor Key said about you know, rehearsing God's love? No, you just ABC, acknowledge Break, choose. ABC. Say them with me. Acknowledge, break, choose. Acknowledge your feelings. Acknowledge them. That's the first 
step that David takes. He doesn't discount or dismiss or demean feelings. He acknowledges them. Why am I so discouraged? What's up, emotions? He acknowledges them. And, and parents, start that with your children. You know, they won't connect. They won't join the dots between why they're so happy. And, and, you know, but, but, but ask them anyway. Just start giving them the tools to sort out their feelings. It'll help them when they're sad to sort of join that and get a grip on their feelings. Um, how many have met adults who are sad or happy and they have no clue why? Well, let's learn even when we're younger. Acknowledge feelings, not by burying them, not by being ruled about them, just acknowledge them. Look at them as one part of your overall being. Now, after David acknowledges his feelings, he says, why is my heart so sad? He breaks them down. He begins to break his feelings down to determine the best action steps because some feelings, when you break it down, you want to keep those. Others, you want to get rid of. All right? So he breaks them down. He takes them into captivity, and he, and he looks at them, and he sorts them out. Um, how many, if you have joy, you'd like to keep that one? <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I want to keep that one. What about peace? I will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me, Old Testament says. You know, it's just, I want to keep peace. Peace rules your hearts in Christ Jesus, we're going to see in a few moments. So peace stays. That's, that's a good feeling. Love. How many are thankful that whatever anybody else thinks of you, loves you, or doesn't love you, his love never fails? He always loves. So you keep those. Those are good feelings. You want to keep them. But then there are negative feelings that we want to get rid of. You know, it, it, listen, if you hang on to anger or jealousy or bitterness or unforgiveness or guilt, how many of they're just going to get worse? They're going to grow. They're going to grow and try and take over. You know, one married woman was asked by her doctor. She said, he just was trying to figure out, to analyze. He says, do you wake up grumpy? She said, oh, no, no, I let him sleep in. So it's just, we, we all have these, these situations. Now, it's not helpful to have an emotion that's not helping you and then, and then keeping it. It's just going to do damage. So when you break it down, you need to separate it. One writer I came across said this, think of the feeling, I sort of paraphrasing it, put it in my own words, but think of the feeling as a messenger telling you about one part of your experience. After delivering the message, if it's not healthy to keep it, just let the messenger go, you know? Thank you, you're out of here. Your delivery time is over, you're, you're gone. Now, we all develop mentally. Let's take a few minutes just looking at from when we're children and we grow into adulthood and we mature in our emotions, hopefully, over time. But, you know, childhood has wonderful stages. And I'm speaking in generalizations here. But there's the latent stage, which is basically the calm before the storm, right? You know, there's adolescence that's out here awaiting this child and where, where they body and mind and emotions and hormones and brain is just going through much growth and change and development. It's, it's, it's turbulent out there. And, and I, I've, uh, I've, I've observed a lot of uh, people over time and I, I don't understand it because there's children, 
I tend to have pastored in churches for long periods of time. I've seen children that I dedicated reach teen years. And some of them, it goes like this. You know, just turbulent teens and all these nightmarish stories that you hear about what a parent's going to go through when they raise their teen. And some, I've seen them. Males, females, doesn't matter. They just go like this. Look, I'm a child. There's adolescence. There's adulthood. They step over the river. Voila, adult. And there they are. An adult, mature. Others, Adolescence, adulthood, ain't going there. <laughs> they just walk up and down there. Sometimes you just, as a parent, you get hopeful because they step over an adult for a second. Whoops, jump right back. And the turbulent waters of those adolescent years. Now, I've seen, I've raised boys and they have hormonal changes and growth and you try and be sympathetic and read and understand. And, and, and I know they have moods and, and things like that. Um, girls, I haven't had to raise girls. So let me quote a woman, a psychotherapist, Lisa Damore with her PhD who wrote a book, Untangled. It's called Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood. In the section called Drama Queens, she writes, A teenage girl is a force of nature with emotions so powerful they shock even her. Using this diagram in her book, it's where I got the diagram from, here's all the parts of the brain that are responsible for these types of feelings, okay? Here's the overreaction lobe, the anxiety center, the eye-rolling mechanism part of the brain, complaints and injustice gland, and the door-slamming vortex. It's right there, all right? Now, I, I, I don't want to generalize, but I just know that there, for all kinds of reasons, there's some of us that have a rougher time developing emotionally than others. They, we, we, we have a, a more difficult assignment as we, as, we, as we get older. Am I doing all right? Each of us is emotionally very, very different. Sometimes, and Esther and I have talked about this, it just seems so unfair that some people just have to go through a much rougher ride to you know, get over there into adulthood. Sometimes they're, they're, they're over there into adulthood and they're still immature emotionally. You know, we, we all come from different backgrounds. We, we all have different emotional internal setups as to how we, we process our emotions. But whatever our age or emotional makeup, we can break feelings down to determine the best action steps. We need to talk to ourselves like David did. King David the psalmist said, Soul, why are you so sad? Why are you discouraged? He said, let's sort this out. What's behind this? But then he says, let's take the best action step possible. Put your hope in the Lord. Watch this. He's choosing the direction that his feelings are going to go in. Do you see that? Do you remember I said, God's love is the? I think we have a picture that will sort of help you. Yeah. God's love is a steering wheel. God's love is steadfast. How many, how many are glad his love never fails? It's always there for us. Always there. His love is a steering wheel. So we're not left with our feelings just to sort of find our way. Watch this. We can put our hands on the steering wheel of God's love. Do you know how we do that? By saying, Lord, God, you love me. 
I receive your love. I find my identity, my security in you. Not in my feelings, not what in somebody else. I find them in you. You're the steering wheel of my life. And then when I say, and I love you back, God. This is love not that I love God, but he loves us. It starts with the steering wheel. But then how many understand I need to put my hands on the steering wheel? I need to get a grip on my emotions, right? That's how I do it. I love God back in return. All right, so I choose God's response like David did. Look at the Apostle Paul, how he wrote, how we can choose our response. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ. Watch this. The love, the peace, the joy. How many, are, how many see it? it? It all comes from Christ. It's all his love, his joy, and his peace. It's by having that relationship with him. You know, when I, I talk to them uh, um, the online church in the last service, uh, one of the things I, I said, listen, don't try and do this unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it, otherwise, you're, you're running on fumes. You know, you, you don't have the, the power, you don't have Jesus in your life to give you that identity security. If you don't have his love, joy, and peace happening, you don't have anything to draw on to choose your moods. And so this is the steering wheel here. It comes from Christ. His peace rules in our hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always be thankful. Christ's peace in my life is my choice. I choice. I can have feelings, and I, but the steering wheel's there. I can grab a hold of it any time. I can have Christ's peace at any time. Sometimes it's a process of, of sorting through the feelings and getting there, but I know I have his love and his joy and his peace. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts this. He says, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Because he made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Did you see that in Donovan's story? When he was trying to develop his own, you know, going by his own feelings and reactions to people in his family, what had happened to him in life. But when he gave his life to Christ, <laughs> he began to be his own man and understood he was going to be a son in this family. He was going to be a witness for Jesus in this world. And so, so it's by putting Christ there, having that steering wheel and saying, and Jesus, I love you back in return. Now, Neuroscientists debate how much the brain can change. And I was getting mixed messages in research from very credible sources. So I reached out to a psychiatrist in our church, Dr. David Ng, a certified adult psychiatrist, and he specializes in child-adolescent psychiatry. And he's up to speed on this research. So I reached out to him for help, and he explained that a decade ago, just a decade ago, that recent, we, we believed that the brain was developed by late 20s or early 30s. And then after that, no new brain cells were formed. However, in the last decade or so, it's been shown that neuroplasticity, you know, elastic, it, it, there's a flexibility to the brain. And explains why. Have you ever heard stories of people who have had traumatic brain injury and yet they've still been able to learn some things even after it? Well, that's because uh, of this. Dr. Ring says... Current consensus is that neurons can 
continue to form throughout life, albeit substantially less than during the formative years, and only in certain brain regions. And so that helped me understand what uh, doctor, a Christian doctor, Carolyn Leaf, was writing in her book called Switch on Your Brain. She says this, watch it. You know how the Bible says, uh, take into captivity every thought? Listen, purposefully catching your thoughts can control the brain's sensory processing, the brain's rewiring, the neurotransmitters, the genetic expression, and cellular activity in a positive or negative way you choose. It's what we're thinking about. It's what we dwell on. Are we dwelling on the love of God or how mean that person was to us? That'll determine even the direction that our thoughts and our brains develop and certainly will result in the feelings that surface. And so, in other words, we choose our mood. Now, let me finish up today by giving you an exercise. You said, we came to church and we're getting homework? Just have it done by the time Pastor Jonathan teaches you next weekend, all right? I think it'll be helpful. I want to give you something that when feelings, negative feelings especially, arise this week, you'll just have something to respond to. A, B, C, okay? Acknowledge, break it down, and then choose, okay? Say it aloud together with me. Acknowledge, break it down, and choose, all right? So, how do we choose? How do we choose? Well, about five years ago, I was uh, teaching right here, and it hit me. I'm going to choose my mood. (laughs) I'm choosing to pick you up. I was teaching about, if God says, in the Old Testament, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus, when he's cornered, put on the spot in the New Testament for the most important commandment, he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then that's, that's got to be a priority for Keith Smith. And so I began to think about this and what is being said by this and brought it into my prayer life. Now, the heart is our feelings center, okay? Our feelings headquarters. Our soul is our personhood. That person that we're going to take into eternity. That's the the real us. That's our soul. Our mind is where we have our thoughts and our wisdom. We develop those in our mind. Our strength is where we put our energies. Now, so I I have a prayer for each one of these that I pray every day in my life. But when it comes to my heart, watch this. I set my feelings. I don't let them set me. Do you remember the verse in the Bible where the Apostle Paul says, set your affections? You don't have to let your feelings and your affections set you. You can set them. You can set your heart. And so here's what I pray every day in my prayer time as I worship the Lord. I I say, I love you with all my heart, Lord. And, And by that I mean, I set my feelings by being grateful for so much good today. How many know that gratitude is powerful? It just, you, just, you just get your mind thinking grateful thoughts and praising God for who he is and what he has done. It just changes the kind of day you're going to have. So every day I do that, I set my feelings. I don't let them set me. I set my feelings by being grateful for so much good today. 
I choose my moods. So is this helpful? We're going to pick it up with Pastor Jonathan next week. Is this helpful today? Refuse to get stuck in your moods. Rehearse. We've given you some verses and some tools, a nice quote there from Packer. Rehearse how much God loves you, and then choose to love God with all your feelings. How do you do that? Simple as ABC. Say it with me. Acknowledge, break, and choose. Okay? Let's pray that every one of us will get better at doing moods this week. Let's pray together. Lord, first of all, thank you for the steering wheel. Thank you that your love never fails. Whatever our feelings are doing, whatever other people are doing, thank you for your steadfast, unchanging, nonstop love. Thank you that your love gives us what, it, what we need to feel good about being us because of how you feel about us. One look at the cross, and we have the answer. I pray that people in this room today and people online, if they're saying, Jesus, you, you gave your life for me. You love me. I want to say yes to you. I pray that they would say yes to you in their hearts right now and invite you in. Invite you to cleanse away all of their sins and failures and to come and live in them and grow them in your grace and truth. Thank you, Jesus. Bless those who attend Alpha. And just may they search for truth. May they find it in you, Lord. Lord, we're all at different steps. I've got people here at so many different ages and stages, and some of us never had a chance for feelings to grow up in our childhood. But thank you that every one of us has the potential to choose, because every one of us has your love. Oh, Lord, may this series be life-giving freedom-providing, emotionally maturing, and future-changing, Lord, for every one of us, I pray. When we mess up, even in the emotions, even this week, thank you that your grace will be there because you love us, and your truth will be there to get us back on track. So, Lord, we, uh, we end this service just by reaching out to you with, from our hearts, from our feelings, and saying, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.